Well, hello, church. Uh, Open your Bible up to Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament, uh, almost dead center of your Bible if you're not real familiar. Now, uh, as we dive into Ecclesiastes together, I got to tell you right off the bat, it's kind of a weird book. It's one of those books we need to be real careful with because some of the things in Ecclesiastes you can take right at face value and apply to your life and glean a lot of and see what God's up to very clearly. There's other stuff in Ecclesiastes that you might read and you go, that doesn't sound godly. That sounds so weird to me. And so uh, we're going to look at a passage that you can take at face value today. But like all of Scripture, we, we compare Scripture against Scripture. And especially with Ecclesiastes, uh, you take a look at what that passage is saying, and then you take those principles and compare them across the whole of Scripture. And if they match up, then we can really know that this is something that God has for us. Ecclesiastes uh, falls obviously in a, in a place in the Scripture, as well as history, uh, after God's created everything after sin has entered the world, and yet before heaven. Ecclesiastes was written even before Jesus. And so we've got to take that into account. Ecclesiastes is a book that describes life from a a very honest, uh, realistic perspective. It's, it's an honest look at life that basically acknowledges, hey, there's no real formula to life. It's a book that says life is full of exceptions. It's a book that, that isn't uh, portraying a slick, glossy view of life. It's portraying a life uh, that's full of grit. It's a book that's showing us uh, the way that life often tends to really be instead of painting kind of this grandiose picture of the way we wish life was. The author of Ecclesiastes, um, he, he, he multiple times uses the phrase, everything is meaningless. But a better definition of the word that gets translated meaningless is actually uh, vapor. Uh, Everything is kind of a vapor. Everything is kind of fleeting. Everything's kind of temporary. Uh, But but like smoke, it's also kind of an enigma. It's a paradox. You can see that there's something there in a vapor in smoke, but then when you grasp for it, there's no substance there. And, And life is kind of like that. This book of Ecclesiastes is such an honest look at life But in its honesty, it does leave you and I longing for something a little bit more. Some more answers. Some more hope. Honestly, it's a book that takes such an honest look at life and the journey of life that it's leaving me longing for Jesus. Now, for you and I on this side of history, this side of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus we, we know where he brings more wisdom than the book of Ecclesiastes brings uh, uh, to bear on our life here and now. And yet still this longing for Jesus and what are you up to? Doesn't 
what I described just now about Ecclesiastes sound a lot like life. I mean, it's not always what we want. Uh, it's got some grit to it. It's not always easily describable or, or able to be figured out. And the author of Ecclesiastes kind of boils it all down. And at the sum total of everything, he's only got two real answers to anything. One is, uh, the sum total is, just fear God and obey his commandments. And two, enjoy to the best of your ability the gifts that God has given us. That's it. Fear God, obey him, and then just try to enjoy the gifts that he's given us. And on this road trip of life, God has given us some gifts. And one of the good things that he has given us, that the author of Ecclesiastes describes, that we can take at face value as a real honest gift because we see it show up other places in scripture, is the gift of friendship. Today, I would love to talk about, in this road trip of life, who is in the car with you? Who's going along the journey with you on this road trip of life? Who's in the car with you? And and I would kind of propose that there's four types of friends that you should have in your car. There's four types of friends that should be taking the road trip of life with you, at least these four. And we're going to take a look at these four. And, and, and friendships are so key. Who you're riding through life with is so key. I guarantee you that your friendships determine both the quality and the direction of your life. They do. You show me who you have surrounded yourself with. And I'll show you where your life is headed. You show me the friends that you have got in your car with you. And I'll show you either how fast you're moving along spiritually or maybe how slow you are or how happy you are or or how burdened down you are. You show me who you've surrounded yourself with and I'll show you the quality and the direction of your life. Friendships play such a crucial part in our journey. And God's heart was that the friendships, the people that you are journeying with in life, would be a positive influence, that they would be a blessing, that they would be ones that build you up and encourage you up and help grow you up. And Ecclesiastes chapter four, that's where we're gonna look. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter four, go to verse seven. The author says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. In other words, what is the point to life if you don't have any friends? What's the point to all the wealth and all the accomplishment or any sort of road trip if you're just in it alone? And now the the author doubles down and and he, he begins to describe the type of friends 
that we should have, the, the qualities and the characteristics of godly friendships. And I, I sure hope you have this. I sure hope that you have this in the context of our church family. Whatever age you are, that you have some friends that are of the highest quality, that you're experienced the kindness of God and the goodness of God and the strength of God because of the friends that you've got around you, that he uses the friends in your life as a tangible representation of himself in some way, shape, or form. I've got those sorts of friends. There have been seasons where I haven't, and I'm sure you have too, and, and we can tell the difference. And I hope you've got it uh, in, in your community, in your neighborhood. I hope you've got it in a life group. It's a crucial part of what God's plan was in this road trip of life. Look at what he says, verse nine. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Two are better than one. Uh, to, to be yoked together with a friend, a good friend is better than being all alone because you've got a good return for your labor. I believe wholeheartedly when you find a good friend that it brings good results uh, to your work, uh, to your family situation, uh, to your joy. It can multiply things. I think that when you find a good friend walking alongside you, that you are now able to reach heights together that you would never have been able to reach alone. Two are better than one because there's a good return for their labor. Verse 10 says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. What, what an honest assessment of it. The reality is at some point, I guarantee you're going to fall down. I'm going to fall down. We're going to have circumstances that we didn't anticipate cut the legs out from under us. We're going to collapse. We are going to sin or we're going to make mistakes or we're going to experience things that maybe were at the hand of somebody else or our own uh, well-doing and, and boom. We didn't expect it. We didn't see it coming, yet it came. And it took its toll on our hearts, on our souls. And you need, I need, every single person needs that other one that when we fall down and don't even have the strength to get up anymore, somebody comes alongside and says, I'll help you up. Even better, maybe I'll get down there with you I'll go down to where you are for a little while, hear what's going on in your life, and then however I can help you get back up, I will do that. We all need those sorts of friends. We also need to be those sorts of friends that are willing to get down on our knees in and amongst those that have fallen and that desperately need a tangible hand of God to help pull them back up. Two are better than one. One falls, another can help them up. Verse 11, it says also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now that's obviously true just in a literal sense. And for husbands and wives, good for you. Uh, if you're just dating somebody, hey, don't apply this to you. Don't lay down and get warm together. That's not for now. 
But, but, but in, a, in a spiritual sense, what is so true is that when we come together, there's an ability, without sounding kind of cliche or even a little bit cheesy, when we're together as Christians, then it's, it's a, an added ability for me and you to kind of keep our spiritual fires lit with each other. What, what is so normal for me, and I imagine in seasons for you, is to have my spiritual fire for Jesus start to grow cold. And it's only when I'm around these godly friends, these quality friends that God really does have in mind for me, that I, I start to have that fire lit again. You know how the world can take its toll on you. And in those sorts of moments, I have a tendency to want to isolate. I want to withdraw. I want to go buy 100 acres in Montana and buy a cabin and never talk to anybody again, especially in a season right now. Can I get an amen? And, and that is kind of reality for many of us. You take too many hits and you just want to go isolate. But I can tell you that's exactly what the enemy wants for me and you. He doesn't want anybody in your car on the road trip of life. He just wants you driving your own car all alone. And over time, your spiritual fire will grow cold. And so what what God has in mind is to bring some people around you. You ever uh, use the charcoal briquettes to barbecue? I'm not talking about the propane kind where you just press the button and everything lights up. I'm talking about the old school, the Weber kettle, and you pour the coals inside and then you can douse them in the lighter fluid. That helps. And then you light it. And then what happens to those coals in there over time is that they turn white hot. And from experience, you have seen that the fire, when all those coals together that fire will stay lit and hot for a very long time. But you remove one white hot coal from that fire and you remove it just five feet, 10 feet away from the rest and it will grow cold very, very quickly. In the Christian life, it's very similar. The more we isolate, the more we push people out of the car or just the Lone Ranger, the more opportunity for our spiritual fire to grow cold And what the author of Ecclesiastes is reminding us here is that there's some fire, there's some warmth that happens. Yeah, physically, but also spiritually when we invest in each other, when we care for each other, when we come around God's word together, it rekindles a fire that can grow cold when we're isolated for too long. Then lastly, verse 12, he says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. One might be overpowered, but two, you've got a good friend. A good friend will protect you. A good friend will defend you. They'll protect you and defend you from lies. They'll protect you and defend you from gossip. They'll protect you and defend you from bad people. They'll protect you and defend you even from yourself. And when you've got those sorts of friends that that display those characteristics, Man, we're starting to catch a glimpse of God's good gifts to us. That he wants to fill our car and our lives with these sorts of friends. And he wants us to be those sorts of friends to people around us as followers of Jesus. You know, I've got two boys. 
And the last two summers in a row, I've had the privilege of taking just one of them on a week-long road trip. Uh, last year, I took my son Brad, and he and I went on a week-long road trip together. And then this summer, my son Brody and I went on a week-long road trip together. And I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite times. I love road trips in general, but there was something so special about a week in the car with just one of my boys, two of us together. They're both so different from each other. One of my boys likes the destinations. He's excited to get where we're going to next. Oh, another one of my boys, he, he just likes the journey. He doesn't really care where we're headed. And yet both unique. I love the uniqueness that I come to discover about each of them when I'm with them. I love that, that I can listen, not just to the words that they're saying, but to their hearts. I love that um, I can grow in my relationship with them as we take these journeys together. And what was in a real vivid, isolated form in a week, alone together in the car, that is an opportunity that every single one of us have to get to know the uniqueness of another and listen to the words and to the heart and to grow closer and deeper and build trust and intimacy. It's a gift of Almighty God. I told you that there were four types of friends that I, I would propose you have in your car. At the end of verse 12, if you were reading all the way through. After he said that two can defend themselves, it goes on to say that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now here's the reality of it. If two are good, then three, it's even better. So if you've got one good friend with you, man, God bless you. That's fantastic. If you got three, Oh my goodness, that's almost an unbreakable thing. The enemy's not going to come in and do a whole lot if you've got two other good friends that make up three of you rock solid together. If you've got four or five, fantastic. But I also like to think of it in terms of uh, what if I've got me, I've got my good friend, and then I've also got Jesus making up the third. What if the core to three includes Jesus? Jesus has called us friends in John chapter 15. What a humbling thing. Jesus has called us friends. And I would propose that one of the crucial friends that you must have in your car on the road trip of life is Jesus Christ. And Jesus, of all people, is the one who actually needs to sit in the driver's seat, not you. And that's the starting point. He's the best friend that you can have, and he needs to be seated in the driver's seat of your life on this road trip journey that you're taking. You sit shotgun. And then the three other types of friends that you should have. The three other types of friends are a friend that is willing to wound you, a friend that's willing to heal you, and then make room always for a friend that you can be investing in. And I get all of those from scripture. If you go back one chapter from Ecclesiastes, one book rather, to the book of Proverbs and go to chapter 27, 
it describes these friends, a friend that'll wound you, a friend that'll heal you, and a friend that you can be sharpening or investing in. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Now, that sounds a little bit weird. Why would you want a friend that can wound you? Uh, I don't like being wounded, but there's a difference. There's a difference when someone who is mean-spirited and does not have your best interest at heart, and they actually want to wound you in the, I wound you so you'll bleed out and die sort of sense. I've been wounded by people before, not necessarily my friends. I've been wounded by people in the church. I've been wounded even this summer by people that are in the faith. But then there's a different kind of wounding that comes from friends. And that's the type of wounding that's described here, the good kind of wound from a friend. That's the wound that says, I'm going to prick you here a little bit to get your attention. Or I see as a friend that you've got a broken bone. And the only way that broken bone's going to heal is if I pull on it and set the bone. Or you've got an infection, and the only way that we're going to clobber this infection is we dig out deep and we uh, root out the infection. It's going to get worse for a little bit before it gets better. A wound from a friend is a friend that'll speak the truth. Do you have a friend that is willing to be a truth teller to you? Surround yourself with a friend who isn't impressed with you and would say the hard things? I hope you do. We, we all need a, a, a Paul around us that'd speak up. Biblically, Paul was outspoken, didn't have any trouble speaking the truth. We also need, though, a healer. Verse 9 of Proverbs 27 says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. There is the pleasantness of a friend that's a healer. Uh, they're not just the truth teller, but they're probably the grace giver. That they're the one that they're going to comfort you and they're going to encourage you. We need a truth teller. We need a Paul, but we also need a grace giver. We need a Ruth. We need a Jonathan. We need a Barnabas. And then thirdly, we need that friend that maybe isn't so much there for us, but that maybe we are there for them. We need a friend that we can invest in. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And what a great image that we are called in relationship with one another to, to sharpen each other, to be there for each other. We need a Paul in our life. We, we need a Barnabas in our life, but we all probably need to make some room for a Timothy in our life, a young protege, a younger man or woman, a boy or a girl that we can invest in and befriend that maybe you, you think, well, I don't need anybody. Okay. One, I don't believe that, but let's just play for fun that that's true. You don't need anybody. What if somebody needs you? What if someone needs you to step into their life and be their Timothy? We have an opportunity to experience the goodness of God on this road trip of life in immeasurable ways. One of the most influential, one of the most powerful and beautiful gifts that we've got from God on the road trip are our friendships. Are you one of those friends? Do you have these type of friends with you? I hope that you do. Let me pray for you right now to that end. And so gracious heavenly father, 
I pray right now that you would surround those that do not have those sorts of friends, orchestrate things to bring them this week. I pray that maybe if they haven't found one, someone to, to be that sort of friend to, that they would step up and grow in the type of friend that they are to others. But Lord, we thank you most of all that you have modeled friendship for us in Jesus, that you pursue us, you love us, you've given us Jesus who is willing to invest in us and sharpen us, and he is also one willing to speak the truth and always ready with his grace. We thank you for your friendship. Help us be that type of friend to the people around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.